Obviously, what are there? Fifteen weeks, fifteen weeks in the season. Yeah, so we're not halfway, but man, it's going by way too quick. Yeah, you're. You just we just passed the, the uh, one third mark for most yeah. teams, four or five games. Yeah. So if you're reaching some of these games, some of these teams will be fifty percent done with their season after this week, like uh, UCLA and Stanford and Washington. Right. All played six games. And week six looks to me in the Pac-12 like a week that may not be as tasty as far as like national matchups uh, of folks wanting to just watch. But as far as betting goes, probably one of my more favorite weeks so far as far as handicapping the Pac-12. Yeah, I don't know if the national media – I don't know if anybody wants to ever watch Pac-12 games. But, <laughs> Definitely not this um, week because they're all, they're all a bunch of snoozers. Yeah, there's a couple. There's a couple games that I've already got some action on, but we can, we'll can we get more into that. But, you know, it would, it, would, it would appear if you look at lines that you've got two games that are, you know, one possession feel and then two games that could be absolute bloodbaths. Right. So I guess we'll have to wait and see. Right. Uh, Arizona, Colorado, there's no game this week on Friday. Uh, so everything is going to be Saturday action. You have one afternoon game, which is Arizona at Colorado. And then, uh, and then you start working towards the evening, uh, with the California, Oregon, Oregon state at the Rose bowl playing UCLA and then Washington heading down to the farm to play the Cardinal, um, Arizona, Colorado, that's one of our favorite plays starting off the uh, the Pac-12 uh, week six. Yeah, I, I don't know that I like it as much today as I did on Monday when I bet it. I mean, the line opened at three. Obviously, the news of, you know, the injury to Khalil Tate, J.J. Taylor, um, not playing last week. Yeah. Status is uncertain for this game. Um, I haven't seen any updates, you know, uh, either that he's in, either one of them were in or out, but line was three and I jumped on it early to move to four and a half where it currently sits now. Um, so obviously, you know, there's a couple things, either there's some other people that are smart that are doing this, that think that Tate's not out. I wanted to jump on a, a line that I thought was a little bit short. Um, Cause obviously if there becomes an official announcement, I, I think that it, you know, I think that thing gets above a touchdown personally. Real quick, but, um, yeah. And if it, and if it doesn't, um, you know, uh, I, I think that's where the line was made to begin with. So, you know, it, you still got a decent number, but I would expect buyback on Arizona at four and a half uh, pending the outcome or an announcement from Arizona. So, uh, you know, uh, it's a, uh, 
believe it or not, to you know, not that anyone's really out in the South because I think everyone in the South at this point, uh, what has a Pac-12 victory, I think. Um, but uh, you know, Arizona coming off uh, that interesting game against UCLA, Colorado off of a bye after a win down in Tempe. Um, the uh, you know the total on this thing sits at 62 and a half. And uh, obviously if Tate's playing, you know, with some of the issues that Colorado has defensively, and I still think Arizona has some warts, although they've looked better the last couple of games, I, I could see, I could see a shootout. So, you know, sometimes this short number doesn't matter um, in games like that, but it uh, should be a, should be an interesting game, early kick, you know, earlier kick, I should say, you know, at two thirty up there in good old Boulder. Yeah, I think the two storylines for me on this game are when you look at Arizona, it's all about if Khalil Tate and J.J. Taylor play. Uh, There still has been no announcement, but of course it was a surprise to many when you turn on that UCLA game, Arizona-UCLA game last week, and Arizona coming off of a bye, and all of a sudden Khalil Tate's not even in pads. He's in street clothes, as as was J.J. Taylor. Um, So... To me, this line is, you know, this is one of those, and we've talked about this a couple different times on how many points do you truly value one player, right? And, of course, the quarterback position is the most important on the football field. So how many points do you give a Khalil Tate? Honest to God, watching that backup, I don't know how Arizona won with him. <laughs> he, is, he, he does not impress me at the slightest. Uh, so to me – it's a it's a significant difference between having Khalil Tate back there and uh, and and Gunner or whatever his name is uh, the the backup um, on the Colorado side. To me, there isn't especially in the Pac-12, and really I feel like they would be in the top ten in the country. Colorado would be as far as top ten Jacklin Hyde teams um, each week. If it's a Colorado team that comes out inspired that uh that they have a good game plan and whatnot <laughs> excuse me and whatnot um they play pretty well case in point arizona state case in point nebraska now that nebraska team isn't as good as what the preseason hype was but um both two very good wins for colorado but then you know if they let their guard down then that's what happens against air force uh so you wonder what colorado team's going to show up uh, my, I think if, if Khalil Tate is ruled out, I think anything under a touchdown is value in this game. Um, because Arizona's defense, while improved, I don't think they're that much better. Uh, and I think Colorado, uh, I, I think Colorado would have a significant advantage with having Montez as senior quarterback, Chenault, uh, and that crew. Um, any other thoughts on this one? Yeah, I mean, if you're looking to play it, um, a couple things on Colorado's side to keep an eye on. One is is La, Lavisca Chenault's injury that you know he went down in the first quarter of the Arizona right. State game. The injury was listed as it you know, was undisclosed, um, but he did not return. Right, right, That's, right. You know, that, about that. That, can, yep. that can be that can be concerning mm-hmm. um, given his history of injuries and the fact that I don't think he ever fully recovered last year from a leg injury. Wasn't as, wasn't as same when he did try to come back. And then, um, so his, his status, you know, um, is one to watch. And then also, um, 
defensive lineman Mustafa Johnson, who's kind of their uh, – well, it, going into the Arizona State game, he was the Pac-12 leader with right. sacks. Um, he went down early with an ankle injury, kind of a dirty play in the game. Got kind of dove at the back of his leg. Um, he left, didn't return. He's a big disruptor on that offensive line. And, and um, you know, if, if he's not if he's not in there, you know, that, that obviously takes away a little bit from the pass rush and also being able to, you know, to, to help uh, contain the run from Arizona right. on the offensive side of the ball. So you do have key injuries on both sides. Um, all things being equal, if, if all players are out. And I think, I think the one that's – the two guys that I think, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if Johnson plays, depending on what, you know, how bad that ankle is. But Chenault is, is definitely concerning. Um, I think Cleo Tate, his was a hamstring, and I think hamstrings are really tricky. Yep. Uh, it's one of those, if you don't let it fully recover, it can be nagging. I don't think someone's going to want to put him in position, given what happened last year with that yeah, early cause, injury. Cause, yeah, because we, we so. saw him last year, and he was not the same. Granted, different, Rich Rudd's no longer the coach, different system, but he was not the same player. Uh, and he looked a little bit better this year. Uh, still nowhere near as dynamic as he was as a sophomore, but uh, but yeah, if he uh, uh, if, if I contribute that to play, yes, calling. I, I would fully agree with that. But uh, um, if you take out the ability for him to truly uh, run with the ball, um, uh, it, it 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 changes the it it changes everything on the Arizona side. Yeah, nonetheless, um, I'm glad I got through yep. early. We'll we'll see if uh, we'll see how that pays yep. off. Eight eight o'clock Eastern, five p.m. Pacific time uh, in Eugene. The California Golden Bears come in. Um, uh, are now are they unranked now? My goodness! Uh, after a tough loss previous Friday at home to Arizona State. Uh, Gabbers, the uh, quarterback for California, goes out. Um, Monster comes in. The and we talked about this, and and basically, I continue to press on how <laughs> uh, it, it's it's incredible to me that uh, you know you saw it in the Arizona game. Arizona is able to win with their backup quarterback, but really not impressive. USC has had some very impressive backup quarterback play. Uh, but Devin Monster, I'm just I'm not impressed with him as a uh, as a backup quarterback. California has a great defense, but I think it's going to be a challenge uh, against Oregon. However, um, 18 points is a lot in this game, considering Cal has such a good defense. Oregon hasn't exactly shown that they can light up the scoreboard. A la when they went down to stamp, they they haven't. You know, they, they beat Nevada. They, they beat some poor teams by a lot of points. But uh, uh, in, in some of the true Power 5 competitions, they haven't exactly lit up the scoreboard yet. Um, it's, it's, it's a real intriguing, probably the most intriguing game to me. One of the plays that I saw out there was taking a first half under, I believe it was 24 and a half uh, in this game just because Oregon's going to try to establish the run, play conservative ball, knowing that kind of the same thing they did against Stanford, knowing that Cal is not going to have that offense. California is going to have a great defense. Uh, and, you know, and, and California is going to struggle to put points on the board. Um, 
so that will probably be my play in this game because I think 18 is just too many points. Yeah, I, I this will be a no play for me. I, you know, I, it's really simple. It, it, you know, uh, even when they had Garbers uh, when he was healthy, uh, the most points they put up in a game this year was against Ole right. Miss. That was 28. Right. Um, you watch the second half of the Arizona State game. Um, and you know, they just, you know, with, with Devin Modster at quarterback and I, there's nothing about, about him that makes me feel good that they can move the ball. And I think Oregon's defense has, has been under, underappreciated, um, based on, on, if you look at kind of what their numbers are and, and what they've done to teams. So while 18 is a lot of points, um, I, I, I don't know like what you can honestly, aside from, uh, fluke turnovers, defensive scores, something like this. How many points you can honestly give Cal in that game? And and ultimately, I could see it being very similar to their the Oregon game when they played Stanford. Um, yep. And ultimately, Cal's defense is on the field all day, and I think that wears them yep. out. So I could see a late. Yep. If anything, I could see a late cover by Oregon because uh, I just don't think Cal can can, can score. Right. Well, you saw the blueprint that they, my guess will be is that they're going to try to copy, which is what we've already been saying, try to copy what Arizona State did in that last game, where Arizona State slowly but surely wore them down. And so by the time the last drive mattered, um, they just, they dominated them at the line of scrimmage and their running back ran hard. Uh, Eno Benjamin ran extremely hard in that last uh, possession, which is where they scored the touchdown, and that was and that was pretty much it. Um, if Cal so, can't yeah, run no. the ball, if Cal can't run the ball in offense, I, good luck getting a first down. So, agreed, agreed. The next game, which is probably by far the least attractive of all games, as far as if you're just wanting to watch football, but the most attractive, if you want to bet it, Oregon State heading to the Rose Bowl. UCLA. The line is right now UCLA minus six and a half with a Dorian Thompson Robinson unknown if he's going to be playing the UCLA uh, sophomore quarterback. You and I both hinted in our last podcast that we like this game a lot in regard to Oregon State. I have already come out and said that Oregon State, this is my favorite play of the weekend. What do you think? I don't know. You you need to let me know what book you're getting six and a half at right now because I need to go open an account and, and, and light that one up. There's a – I'm seeing six. Um, I bet it at six and a half. I read in the middle of our podcast on Monday. I saw right. seven. I wish I would have gotten it. But literally, yeah. when I logged back in, it was already gone. But at six and a half, I mean, you could – you know, you hit the nail on the head. You've got turnover – or uh, you've got injury concerns with um, with UCLA's quarterback. Um, and, and ultimately you've got a really porous UCLA defense that, and quite frankly, I think Oregon state can move the ball on. Um, so I just, I just think that outside of playing Cal Poly school for the blind and the deaf, I don't think that UCLA should be given points to anybody, um, on their schedule. So, you know, I'll happily take the six and a half. I'd even take the six now. Um, and uh, take those with the Beavers and, and, and wait to see, you know, if, if something comes out from an injury standpoint, you know, and then obviously 
watch it if he's out, watch what UCLA does offensively, and, you know, maybe have another opportunity live. But I, I fully expect Oregon State to move the ball. So they've moved the ball right. on, on superior teams. You know, they did it last week against Stanford, which is, is maybe not a defense up to Stan, uh, Stanford expectations, but um, still I think better than what UCLA is going to put out on the field. They moved the ball against Oklahoma State early in the year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I have no doubt that, you know, in a stadium that's going to have probably 20,000 people in it at most, um, yeah. it's going to feel like a, a, it's going to feel like a scrimmage. So um, I, I'll take the Beavers, um, take them with the uh, points. And I tell you what, if they find a way to win the game, I, um, man, that's, that's, that's going to hurt Chip Kelly for sure. I, I I think Oregon State wins this game. I am I don't understand this line at all. Um, I don't think one. You and I have both said uh, in the past that uh, you know out of all the home field advantages, the Rose Bowl would be probably picked last as far as a true advantage to UCLA, uh, and especially now where there's going to be just a sparse crowd there. Uh, for two of the bottom teams in the Pac-12. Um, this honestly, to me, feels like a this should be an org- this should be a UCLA minus two and a half, uh, and that's even with to me even with Dorian Thompson Robinson playing, it should be a two and a half. And if these two teams are on a neutral field, a pickup, uh, because I don't think that there is that much difference between the two. I don't know if the bookmakers have a little more faith in chip. I don't know if it's because of that comeback win against WSU uh, that they were placed higher in the power rankings because of that, which affected the line. Uh, I I don't understand the line because you and I both, you and I both think that uh, Oregon state's going to, going to be able to move the ball um, all game on UCLA. And I don't see UCLA being efficient enough, uh, to be able to do to match that same productivity when they're on offense. Uh, Oregon State has a bad defense. We all know that, but both these schools have bad defense. So uh, it may be one where, you know, a timely turnover one way or the other may be the difference, but I think uh, my money is already on Oregon State and, and I will have money line um, action on Oregon State as well. Uh, so if you have the uh, if you have the Pac-12 network, um, throw some money on there and uh, sit back and just watch some great football. Mm. Yeah, mm. I don't know what else is on in that time window, but <clears throat> I'll be watching it because it's it's like I said, it's one of my early plays that I had. So you know, we'll we'll wait and see. I mean, you know, you always. I, I think typically you always flinch when you bet on bad teams, but when a bad team's playing right. a bad team, yep. you know, I mean, anything's possible, 18 to 22 year olds. So, um, but I, you know, Oregon state at some point, I think it's going to break through and get a win um, in this conference. And I, I don't think there's any better week than now for them to, uh, you know, take a stab at it. Cause they're, I was just looking at their schedule. It's pretty gnarly after this week. This may be the only <laughs> This may be it. Uh, uh, yeah, you, you're not going to beat you're not going to beat Utah at home. Uh, maybe at Cal if Cal's still struggling and they don't show up on defense. Um, 
yeah, you just you look at that schedule and it's uh, tough, tough, yes, tough, tough. Yes, it is. The final final game of the night is um, Washington at Stanford. Um, according to what I'm looking at, what what are you seeing for line right now? It's sixteen. Sixteen and a half. Sixteen and a half. Okay. Um, <clears throat> that's a lot of points. I have already said. Uh, I kind of hinted to my thoughts on this one in the last podcast when we did the recap of Week Five and kind of the look ahead part of the very end of it. That uh, I I think this has out of all the games that are on the slate. Uh, and granted, it's a sixteen and a half. Um, line but this has blowout written all over it to me i would be i will have money on washington i hate having that big of a number but stanford has struggled on both sides of the ball um you saw them they were in a bad spot against ucf as far as scheduling wise and and they got uh they got hammered pretty hard um stanford was wasn't able to do much of anything against oregon and i think oregon played quite conservative uh, when they played Stanford, um, I think Washington truly has the potential to to win this game by at least 24 points, because uh, I think there's that much of a difference between uh, Washington and Stanford right now. I, I just this this Stanford team is just does not have the talent that it, that it's had over the last 10 years, and I think this is going to be the start where um teams are going to start taking advantage of it i'm i'm shocked to be honest i'm still shocked that oregon wasn't able to do more against that stanford defense because they just don't have the athletes like they used to have um so i will put i'm going to put money on washington i don't know how i'm going to to play it if i'm going to try to look for something first half uh or uh try to get i mean i, I hate that 16 and a half numbers kind of in a weird dead man's area but uh but i will have money on on that alone, just because I think it's because um, I, I I don't think it'll be in play by the end of the game. Yeah, probably no KJ Costello for Stanford either. Um, right. You know, and uh, you know they got it. They got a nice win up in Corvallis, um, a game that they I think they in a lot of ways they tried to give away. A lot of Oregon State back in it, yep. but there was some there was some misleading stuff in that box score too. They were severely outgained. They gave up over 500 yards of offense to the Beavers in that game. Um, they just got fortunate. Um, I feel like with a, with a few plays and some calls that happened, um, and then they were they were abnormally efficient on third down and, and kept some drives going against what I, what I know is not, not a very good Oregon State uh, defense. So, right. you know, I, yeah, I, I guess you know. For me, it's a stay away because I one, I, I just don't like to bet big favorites, um, even though I know it's it, there's a mismatch on basically probably every position in this game. I guess there's part of me that probably hesitates because of you know the fact that you know I, I guess David Shaw has earned my respect over the years, and you yeah. sometimes expect. I mean, if, if they covered this and played it to within a score, would I be shocked? I would not be because I think David Shaw's proven that over the years. It would. I, I think it's going to take a lot of shit bouncing Stanford's way for that to happen. But you know, I mean, I can't. I mean, I get the the take on Washington. I you know, 
you just you got two conference teams in a conference game and and it's, and they're on the road and and you just you never know um right it's i think a lot of you know conversely you know i, I think that game you know, I, I think washington you know to go and win on the road someone else's house and, and to really just kind of put your foot on their throat you know you have to avoid mistakes you got to take advantage of scoring opportunities and stuff like yeah. that and you know you, you just i don't know i mean it's I might play it live if something, if I see an angle that presents itself, but it's totally sitting in no man's land. It's, there's no way it's coming back under two, two touchdowns. No, there's probably a better chance it exceeds 17. <clears throat> right. Um, you know, prior to kickoff. Cause that's a late kick and that's, yep. you know, those, those lines are so volatile on Saturday night. Cause people are chasing. It's, it's, it's on, it's, it's on ESPN. So it'll be, There'll be a lot of action just because there's nothing else on. That happens every week on those late mm-hmm. games. So there'll be movement in the line. So yeah, like Washington now, I guess jump on it because I don't think it, I think it only goes one way. But um, and time. and of course, you know the the only other thing that would have concerned me a little bit about this game is if if Washington this season now that as each week goes on, you start to see kind of how the season's truly unfolding. And for the North, everything is aimed towards the mega matchup of Washington versus Oregon, uh, which will be in Seattle. Uh, That's still two weeks away. So you're not really at a look ahead position of possibly a letdown. Stanford is a team that's given Washington fits in the past. Um, So it's definitely one of those teams that, uh, that if you're a team that, that plays each other in the North, like Washington, um, it's, you know, on both sides, it's, it's an important game. But uh, I don't. But yeah, I, don't it, it I actually is... don't think like I think my other issue is I think the narrative of like the Washington is this and that again. I, I'm not. I'm not sold on it. Is I don't think that they're. Um, I don't think they're the status quo Washington that people have kind of just come to know the last couple of years. I, I, you know, after after the loss to Cal, um, I haven't been overly impressed with with either win um, in a lot of ways that game at us, uh, the game with USC last week was, was very much an even game with some yeah. untimely turnovers from SC yep. Yep. Um, Washington, you know, Washington takes, gets, uh, takes advantage of so many opportunities. I mean, that defensive score, special team score. I mean, the game with, with, you know, with BYU, yes, they won the game going away, you know, it was a two score game going to halftime and then you end up with a punt return and some other things that happen. I just haven't seen the domination. I think Jacob Eason's pretty good. I think he's an upgrade from where Browning was, although people right. shit on people shit on Browning, and all he did was take him to the college football playoff. So I'd love to shit on quarterbacks to take my school to the playoff. But um, um, I, I just – I don't I, – I guess for me, like, they don't have – I mean, I know the Ahmed kid, the running back's really good, <clears throat> and I think that, you know, they're getting – you know, I, I think they have some guys that are getting more experience – and, and are, are only going to be better. So I, I think they're, they're trending in the right direction. I just, you know, that's what, that's what causes me to hesitate. Cause I, it, there's, there's still some unknowns there. I mean, I know Stanford's shit and there's no way I'd put money on Stanford. It's right. It, it would, it would be Washington or look away, but I, I think, and I know that game's going to be in Seattle, but I, right now, if you were to ask me, I, I think that Oregon's a better football team um, than what they are now. We'll see when, when they actually play it on the field, but. I, I, I do think that, that Oregon's got a, a few more uh, a few more playmakers. I, I do think they're a little bit better at quarterback, although I don't think Herbert's going to be a 
franchise-saving NFL guy by any stretch. I think he's uh, closer to Joey Harrington than anything else. Um, but at some point, man, that dude's going to have to, like, get up and air it out and win a game for him. And I'm, yeah. not, sure, I'm not sure the DNA lies there for him, but that's we'll, – that we'll save that talk for another week. But right. I uh, I just – I'm in no rush to, to lay that many points, um, you know. So that's all. Yeah, I, I hear that. I mean, it's it's kind of the – you know, and, and we talked about this a little bit in the last podcast of this is in the last four years, this is by far UW's worst team. Now, does that make them a bad football team? No, it just means that I, I think they truly in some points, even though they went to a college football playoff and, uh, and went to a Rose Bowl last year and whatnot, that they underachieved for the amount of talent that they had. Um, so they... <clears throat> Uh, but on the flip side, this is the worst Stanford team that has been on a field since Jim Harbaugh took over, probably in his first year. Uh, and, and some of it is, is that, uh, you know, you have to, the system that Stanford runs, they, they found a way to, I think, you know, one of the things that you see in college football, I mean, it's this in college sports in general, that the you are not going to be able to the system that UW runs, uh, the system that UW runs or USC or those types of guys, Stanford's not going to be able to compete with USC recruiting. So Stanford did a great job of changing who they valued and changing their system to a way that fit the guys that they could get, the guys that could also come into school, things like that. Um, but it required really special talents at quarterback position, special talents uh, at, you know, bigger players, but uh, just unique abilities. But when it's all said and done, they just don't have that. So now they're just kind of slow and average at every single position. And quarterback has been a struggle this year, even though KJ Castillo, I think is a good quarterback, but uh, they don't have the playmakers to help them out. And their run game, uh, because their offensive line hasn't been, uh, it hasn't been good for really the last couple years. Their run game has struggled. And so it just, uh, it, it's just a Stanford team that is uh, just not what we're used to seeing. Um, so anyways, it, it'll be interesting to watch. I, 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 again, just kind of echoing the, what we've already said, that this is definitely one of those games that uh, you don't put money on Stanford. And it's kind of, maybe if you have the opportunity uh, to play UW, then uh and you're not as feeling as strong as the way I feel about it, but uh, um, that you, you maybe wait live. Yeah, it's, that's an angle for sure. Uh, so what other, uh, you got any other action before we uh, say goodbye? Uh, yeah, a couple things, you know, we uh, put a plan earlier today, taking, uh, Cincinnati Bearcats tomorrow night hosting Central Florida, catching four lines now, three and a yep. half. Um, kind of like that spot for the Bearcats. I, yep. I think that they're, I think they got a good team. I think they got um, both sides of the ball. I don't know what I, I'm not sure what I think of UCF um, at this point. So, you know, it's kind of a puzzling loss at Pitt um, as a big, big favorite. But um, that'll be an interesting take. That'll have a lot to say in what happens in the American going down the stretch there. Um, I got a small play on Saturday on um, on West Virginia, catching 10 and a half. 
right. uh, hosting Texas. Texas is beat up on the defensive side of the ball right now with some injuries. They've got Oklahoma on deck next week and what is going to be a, a really, really big game, obviously. So I just, you know, I'm kind of banking more on a lookover, sleepy spot. It's shitty travel to Morgantown. Yep, West Virginia has yep, yep. shown a little bit of life on offense the last couple yep. weeks. I mean, what's surprising, you know what West Virginia's record is? No. They're three and one. So God, it, it feels like that they haven't won a game yet. Yeah. I mean, they, well, they were, they were so bad um, in that game at Missouri, uh, a game which I was on Missouri. They just got absolutely, you know, just obliterated. Right. And, and then people, you know, and it's kind of like the nature of how it goes. You just kind of write, write teams people off. Write teams off, right. And, and, and not understand that teams can't improve or get worse as the season goes on. Right. So, you know, so since, um, you know, since that, that, um, that particular game, they've, they, you know, they went ahead and they, they defeated, um, defeated uh, NC State, which, you know, not a great ACC team, but they put up 44 points in doing it. And then yeah. last week went to Kansas, kind of the up, or two weeks ago, because they're off a bye, too. That was the other angle on this game. Um, they did have a bye. They, they, they went to Kansas, went to Lawrence two weeks ago, won a close one, 29-24. But, you know, an extra week, new coaching staff, I, I just, you know, I give them a, a, a puncher's chance to move the ball a little bit. And, yeah. And like I said, maybe Texas is not fully ready to go. And uh, we can sneak that thing at, you know, 10 or less on uh, on the Mountaineers. So that's that's one. There's there's a few others I'm eyeing. I haven't put anything else in yet. Um, I think Baylor-Kansas State's an interesting game in uh, in Manhattan with Baylor coming in undefeated. They're a short dog at plus one and a half. Um, Kansas State took, the, took an L last week in Stillwater. Um, I still like that coaching staff. I still like that team. I, you can see a lot of North Dakota State stuff that they're doing, which I think fits perfectly um, in, Manhattan. in Manhattan. Yep, absolutely. So there's some interest there. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I'm a little bit interested more in watching, uh, maybe looking at live with like an Iowa and Michigan game. Uh, that line opened, I think, as much as a touchdown. Michigan was favored. I mean, people have been all over Iowa listen to another podcast that said that that will be the one game that determines, you know, how the, how the day shakes out for a lot of sports books in Vegas. And, you know, when you hear that, you kind of, you know, not saying that, you know, books have losing days, um, but it does make you hesitate now. I mean, if you're jumping on Iowa, you've missed out a ton of value from a point right. perspective. And I also saw a stat that Kurt Ferentz is his record as an underdog and like game. Shit, I thought I'd yeah, um, yeah. Nah, I had a call coming in. Um, and then uh, I am curious right now because the numbers actually jump back up. I'm curious on this Northwestern Nebraska game, um, in oh, Lincoln. God. So, I the fact that the Huskers are laying seven and a half, um, I, I don't know, man. I, I, you know, there's two ways to look at what happened in their game in Columbus or against uh, against Ohio State. You know, national TV game day, you get absolutely throttled. I think Ohio State's that good. Um, how does Nebraska yep. pick themselves up off the map from that? Because um, I, I think that's probably – that was more of a 
reality check of just how far away we really are. Um, you know, right. so I still think Scott Frost is a really good coach. Northwestern, yeah. you know, surprisingly, right? They they got they got they got hammered up in up in uh, Sparty a couple weeks ago. They come back. They just for whatever reason, man, they give Wisconsin fits every year. Whatever it is, right. they they held Jonathan Taylor in check. You know, I have a lot of questions around Nebraska's offense and them laying now what is equivalent to you know they need two scores. You know, I would I I right now would would be would be would be more inclined to take a flyer on Northwestern, um, even though I know the issues that surround them on the offensive side of the ball. But, but and and the uh, is this where's that Lincoln. game at? So back to back road games for Northwestern. Um, never liked that spot. Uh, on the flip side, though, is with all the hype and that kind of stuff that was around it, it's an interesting spot for both teams because of the amount of hype that was around that game day. And then just getting your absolute ass kicked by Ohio state. Um, you know, it, uh, how does, how does Nebraska respond to that? Cause Northwestern played very strong against, uh, um, against, um, uh, Wisco on that early morning, uh, on that early afternoon. Right. Kickoff. And then I think if you want to be, you know, if you want a game that you can really um, be interested uh, with, with two totally scenario, two different scenarios, um, Michigan State, Ohio State. So one, uh, D'Antonio comes in and as Michigan State's head coach, and all he ever does is give Ohio State fits um, in his career. Fits, they, right. They've won. Uh, I know they won in Columbus, I think it's a 17 point dog a couple years ago in a really ugly rain game. I remember they kicked a field goal late. Um, but you know, so there's that angle, they're catching 20, um, on the same token. Like, I don't know, I've watched Ohio state for a few weeks now and like, do you really want to jump in front of that freight train? Because that's, that's what they are. No, yeah. Um, I think my, my, uh, my sleeper pick right now. If, if you weren't going to give the, the Heisman Trophy to Tua, um, I think Justin Fields has got a great shot. And I think he's got some opportunities in some games coming up, specifically Wisconsin. Um, and then when they play Michigan at the end of the year to uh, continue doing what he has done statistically. And if Ohio State runs the table, um, you know, I think, you know, a lot of it, you know, his success, you know, he'll be right there. I think he'll be one of the guys sitting in New York. Um, you know, on right. that final, uh, final Saturday of the season. Cause uh, you know, shit, he's just been nothing short of stellar. Um, and he hasn't even played, Fuck, I don't think he's played a full game yet this year. So, um, right. Yeah. Right. So he's really talented, but yeah, I don't know if you want to jump in front of that or not, but it, you know, there's two ways to look at that, but there'll be plenty more as, as the day goes, as you know, you, you massage right. some numbers and, you know, things happen. All of a sudden, everything starts. Starts. You know, really I think. Good. Well, the last thing I'll just say uh, is, tell me that that Auburn Florida game, Auburn catching, Auburn's giving three to to the Gators in the swamp. I mean, I, I don't know. That just feels like a game that Florida always wins. I don't. You know, I don't know how they yep, do it. Yeah. I mean, I, I I want nothing to do with that game because that is that's purely a two plays will probably determine Auburn's that game. schedule is so brutal. Brutal. I mean, yeah. if they were to win that, like, 
I mean, how, how are they like, you know, wins at A&M, they beat, I think what's a pretty good Oregon team, which shaping up to be, you know, uh, they got a true freshman under the center. I mean, obviously, you know, they'll have LSU and Alabama on the schedule. So you know, a lot to be determined there, but, you know, we'll see what ends up happening long-term um, with right. them. But, you know, it just feels like a game that the Gators just don't lose in the swamp. So. Yep. Yep. I would agree. So that's all I got though. Hey, that's, uh, <laughs> you can't find something to whet your appetite on that, then, uh, you know, go fuck yourself. Yeah, that's, hey, you know what? I couldn't have said it better myself. You know, definitely <laughs> go fuck yourself. Right. <laughs> All right, and that, uh, thank you for listening. <laughs> and, uh, and we will talk to you on Monday. Go fuck yourself, San Diego. <laughs> go, fuck your, go fuck yourself. Stay horny. See you. Thank you for listening to the HFV Podcast, your source for West Coast athletics. Follow us on Twitter at HFV Sports and look for podcasts each week on Monday and Thursday.